males are born, men are built. This is the Great Man Podcast, where we want you to build great men as you allow other men to build you. Join New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield, along with seasoned leaders of men, Anthony Flemons and J.T. McCrow, as we bring a wide range of experience and expertise to help you become the great man you are designed to be. With you this week is Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. So great to have you with me here on the Great Man Podcast as we walk through this wild world of noble manhood together. Now, let me remind you of what we're doing here on the Great Man Podcast. I do what we call internally the talk. I talk about a principle or a practice or a discipline or a truth of noble manhood. And in the intervening weeks, J.T. McCraw and Anthony Flemons, two fine coaches of men, will do what we call the build. They will talk about how to build these truths, these principles into your life. The talk and then the build every week coming out impacting your life. And by the way, I don't mind saying to you right now, I want you to support us. We are impacting, we're shooting for millions of men, already impacting hundreds of thousands. And so I want you to go on greatman.tv. I want you to find the, in the upper right-hand corner, uh, how to support, how to contribute, how to help us do what we do. And I want you to use your resources to help us impact men. Now, I want to talk to you in this episode about how to train boys. We're coming to the spring. A lot of you are going to spend more time with boys this summer. Maybe they're your children. Maybe they're not. Uh, but this is a time for us to ponder how to train boys. And I want to say real quick, right up front, uh, one of the, the statistics that really should be encouraging to you, because you may know uh, a lot of boys who are fatherless. They don't have a father in the home. Well, remember that the statistic that really excites us is that if a young man doesn't have a father, other men who are not his biological father can make as much as 80% of the difference of a father just by investing in that young man's life. So you look around from where you are, you see fatherless young men, you're concerned about them. If you'll step into their lives, if you'll orchestrate situations where other men can step into their lives, you can make as much as 80% of the difference that a biological father in the home would have made. That is encouraging. That is exciting. That means we can undo the plague. And by the way, I want to speak to those of you who are African-Americans. Of course, it's the responsibility of all of us, but the African-American community is being decimated by fatherlessness. Those of us who aren't African-American will help, will pull in, will do the things that we can do. But I want to say that for those of you who are black, for those of you who are African-American, ma'am, this is where you can really plow in and make a difference. So let's talk about how to train boys. And I can't wait to hear what JT and Anthony are going to have to say about this in the next episode. Now, ideally, what you want to do in training boys is you want to start early. You know, early in a child, in a young man's life, a boy's life, you know, he's kind of oriented to his mother just because usually she's the primary caregiver. That's not always the case. He loves his dad. Uh, but there comes a point at which he begins to be aware that he has a bond with his dad or with the primary man in his life. This happens. I don't know. It's different for boys. Every boy is different. But 
Uh, the boys I've known, my son, grandsons, other young boys, it happened about three or four years old. Uh, they had related to, uh, in our case, I'm thinking of my grandson for a moment. So just think of, that's why I'm using these names. They call Bev BB. And so they had related to BB and me, Papa, equally. And then suddenly the older grandchild began to realize that he had some kind of bond with Papa. We wrestled, we did things together. And you could just tell there was a drawing to me, not away from his grandmother, and when I was raising my son, not away from his mother, but just a a sense of a special bond. He would start to ask, are we going to go out and do such and such? Are we going to go hiking? Are we going to wrestle? I've told you before in this podcast, he would walk in the door, hug his grandmother, and then turn to me and go, because he knew the rowdiness was about to begin. He felt something special and different for me as a man. And what was going on is the manhood in my life was drawing him out, was calling to him. When you recognize that that's happening, that is a great time to begin the training of a boy. And what I want to suggest to you is that at that moment, if you will begin to speak of him with you as being a man, being a male, and therefore having special disciplines and responsibilities, you will embed that understanding into his life while, so to speak, the concrete is still wet in his soul, while he's still malleable. That's a much harder thing. The thing I've said is much harder to do when the kid is 14. Obviously, it can be done, especially with God's help, but it's much easier when they're young. And so once I recognize with my son and with my grandsons and other young men I've worked with, really young men, men, when I recognize this draw to me or other men as men, it's like the manhood's awakening in their soul and they start to feel some kind of kinship with you as a man, uh, at that point, it's really great to begin to talk about us being men and therefore having different responsibilities. For example, I remember not long ago, I'm guessing my grandson was four years old. I don't know exactly, but that's about the time I began to recognize this magnetic pull he was feeling uh, towards me as a man. I remember once that we were, I think we were getting ready to go for a drive with his, with his grandmother, with Bibi. And I said, um, okay, well, you know, buddy, since we're men, uh, we need to go help BB and find out if she needs anything before we go. Does she need us to load anything? Does she need us to carry anything? Just simple. I didn't give him a long lecture about the duties of a man. I didn't go to scripture. You know, I didn't do anything. I just said, since we're men, you know, and I paused, looked at him, and you and I are men, right? He goes, oh, yeah, absolutely, Papa. And so since we're men, well, you know, it's our job. Take care of BB. Let's go see what she needs because, because it's, we've got a responsibility there. And uh, then he would stay with us uh, at night and I'd say, hey, you want to walk around the house with me while I turn on the alarms and check the doors? I was I was actually doing it far earlier than I needed to do it because he goes to bed at like seven or so. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll do this hours before I normally do. But what am I doing? I'm taking him with me to walk around and check the perimeter of the house, so to speak. We have, you know, high security alarms everywhere we live. And and what am I doing? Well, since we're men, we just need to make sure the house is safe. So come with me. And now, now he he'll, he's the one who prompts me, you know, four in the afternoon, he's going, Papa, when are we gonna, when are we gonna check the security alarms and check the doors? He loves doing that. Okay, turn that knob. Is that locked? Okay, if not, here's the key. All right, check that gate. Is that locked? It's not? Okay, well, let's do that. You wanna do it? You want me to do it? But the whole point is, 
the main thing is not so much the task. It is we're doing it together because we are men. I don't lecture him. I don't have to. He wants to be involved. He wants to be in the exclusive club of manhood with his papa, his grandfather. He wants to be part of that. Okay? So what you do is you start as early as you can. And rather than lecturing, now, you know, a man has to do the following things that that you'll have to do that some and you'll want him to read books and you'll want him to watch videos and you'll want him to be taught by principle. But early on to embed in his soul the idea that there are just disciplines and responsibilities that are a joy because we're men. So we carry something for BB because we're men. We open the door for BB because we're men. We make sure the house is secure because we're men. And then I take it in other directions. BB cooks a meal for us, and I say, okay, um, I think the men tonight will will do the dishes because uh, BB, you worked hard for us. What am I doing? I'm trying to get him to respect the fact that a sacrifice has been made for him. Somebody's cooked a meal years before. He just took it as a matter of course that BB cooked the meals and put them in front of him. But now I'm changing that understanding a little bit. You know, tonight we'll do the dishes. I think maybe tomorrow night we'll cook the dinner or we'll go pick it up. You see what I'm doing? I'm trying to get him to realize that as men, we have a heightened responsibility. And part of that responsibility is not just to protect the woman or, you know, make sure the house is secure or carry things for her, but also to share in the responsibilities that are traditional considered a a woman's thing, especially by the way, for a little boy. You know, children and especially little boys can be some of the most self-centered creatures on the planet. They've been fed and cooked their favorite meals and asked what they like and, you know, had everything bought for them and delivered to them. So around four, five, six, whenever this kid starts to be conscious of a manhood bond, that's when it's a great time to say, okay, we're men. And that comes with some awesome stuff. But part of that also is disciplines and responsibilities and all the fun lore of being a man and paying attention to gratitude and service. Now, do you think I sit there and lecture him? He's six, for heaven's sakes. He's not going to absorb a lot of that. So it's all about going and doing it with me. Okay. Now, in the scriptures, It tells a father to train his children, and this is one of the phrases used, depending on the translation, while you're in the way. That that doesn't translate super well in modern language because being in the way means you're blocking the road. What it meant in that idiom at that time, while you're on the road, while you're going, while you're doing stuff. And so what we want to be careful about is over-lecturing kids, teaching them too much by principle. They learn by doing. They learn by doing. My grandson and I go wash the car because that's something we want to do. We want to be part of the work. We want to take care of the stuff we're supposed to take care of. And I'm very careful not to draw too distinct a line, as I've just said, between woman work and man work. We'll do the laundry. We'll do the dishes. We'll do that stuff. But when we do it, I am presenting it to him. All right, now, since we're men, we got to be responsible for our stuff, you know, and I've just come back from a trip and there's a big old bag of laundry and your undies and PJs are in there. So let's go wash these. Let's go wash these clothes. And he's doing it with Papa and he's doing it because he's a man and he's doing it because, you know, hey, I'm able to do something around here. And he loves it. He loves it. Because what I haven't done is sat on my big old backside watching TV and drinking something and said, somebody go wash the the clothes. Somebody go do the dishes. 
Jesus. No, I've jumped up. I've done it. I've made it an adventure. I've made it fun. So not long ago, I needed something at the store. We were going to go to Home Depot. He loves to go to Home Depot. He loves to see the guys on their big old elevator platforms, you know, moving boards and stuff. He loves tape measures. He loves the way these guys talk, you know, and their and their kind of tech language. He loves all that stuff. He loves the tools. And he has a sense that while, of course, there are more women than men walking around Home Depot, he and I there are there on a man mission. That's the kind of a phrase we use. We're there on a man mission. So we, I turn it into man training. Not everything is. You know, you don't take a bath because you're a man. You take a bath because you stink. You need to get clean and go to bed. But the stuff that I do with him that I can wrap in, hey, man code, we're men. We're going to go do this. We're going to serve BB. Uh, we're going to be polite because we take care of each other, uh, that kind of thing. And I'll tell you what, it really, it really embeds quickly. Young boys from about five to about 10, 11, 12, they want to be part of a club. They want to be part of something exclusive. If they've got sisters, especially, they want to distinguish themselves as belonging to something. And we have a tendency uh, to wait until they're teenagers, to wait until they're, you know, turning adolescent, to wait until that, well, the Jews would have done it at 13 for the wait for the bar mitzvah. But I'm a believer in the idea that the idea of the exclusivity of a man, the idea of the unique obligations and calling of a man uh, can be embedded in a child much younger than that. And it can be made fun. It can be made fun. I even make it so that we have a lot of rowdiness because we're men. Hey, we're men. We like to do fun and surprising things, don't we? And so I'll tell you what, when BB comes home tonight, we'll surprise her. We'll hide or we'll have a bunch of popcorn popped up or we'll go ahead and choose a movie and even just light stuff like that that, you know, frankly, isn't uniquely male stuff. We're doing it. He and I are doing it because we're men. Now, as the kid gets older, this gets a little bit more difficult only because if you haven't drawn them into a culture of man early on, it's a little bit harder. The concrete's a little less wet when they're 13, 14, 15, et cetera, but it can still be done. It's a matter of fun. It's a matter of belonging. It's a matter of making an exclusive manhood culture. And that's something boys really respond to. Now, it needs to get more sophisticated. It's obviously got to be about more than laundry and dishes and, you know, making a trip to Home Depot and doing doing man stuff, you know. So you got to add things. Hey, I, you know, I want, us to, I want us to learn about something. I want us to learn about our ancestors. I want us to go, how do you feel about riding horses this weekend? Man, men throughout history have been riding horses. And I just think it might be fun to test ourselves and ride a big old horse. Or you know what? I, I, I tell you honestly, I, I will give every 16-year-old son and grandson I ever have uh, an opportunity to jump out of an airplane with me late in their teens if their parents will allow it. Just test yourself or climb that hill or go learn a new skill or, you know, what, you ever fired a bow? You ever shot a bow? Uh, let's, let's go, let's go check that out. How about, let's go to the batting cages. And again, I'm not saying the swinging a bat or, you know, shooting a bow or, uh, you know, even being rowdy is uniquely male, but you make it part of a male thing. Let's test ourselves. Let's do what men have done historically. Um, let's overcome our fears. You know, hey, maybe we battle a little fear of heights. What do you think about jumping out of an airplane? You know, doing a tandem dive out of an airplane. What do you think about that? So I think men should be doing this kind of stuff. And I'll tell you, if you'll start early 
and some of you haven't, don't be upset. But if you start early, you capture their souls early and they're hungry for that their whole lives. If you start late because you're just now hearing about this kind of stuff, no sweat. But do the, do the same thing. Make it a combination of some discipline, some tactics, some duties. And then, of course, also the fun, the rowdiness, the testing yourself. Uh, I ta- I've talked to a lot of boys, just about 12, 13, 14. You know, we're men, and, and you're going to start building a lot of strength, and you're going to be real strong. You're going to be able to whoop most of the people in your school. But a man, I'll say, a man, a good man, a true man, knows how to temper his strength. He knows how to use his strength for good. You don't use your strength to dominate a woman. You don't use your strength to beat up on the weak. And I'll tell them a story. I'm not trying to make myself the hero, but I'll tell them a story about how when I was in high school, I sprouted, got big suddenly when I was 13. 13, lifted weights a lot, playing football, got muscular. And a couple of times I had a chance to pull a guy off a girl that he was molesting. And in one case, to pull a big brute off of a small guy. And I talk about how that felt. I talk about how good it felt to be working out in the gym and building my strength and building my muscles and building agility, and then to be able to use it for noble purposes. I say to them, uh, man, I, I felt like a man that day. It's one of the first days I really felt like a man. Some people think manhood is when you first have sex. And some people think that manhood is when you, you know, whatever. But for me to use my strength, like the knights of old, you know, I might say something like that, being the crazy historian that I am, uh, the knights of old to use your strength to defend the weak and the powerless and a woman being wrong. I mean, it just, it just lives in me to this moment all these years later. And I'm telling you what, 17 year old boys have looked at me like that is who I want to be, baby. Now, you got to start early if you can. If you can't start early, you got to make it attractive. You got to make it exciting. You got to make it about challenging yourself. There's not a boy or a man on the planet who doesn't want to challenge himself, doesn't want to jump off that cliff, jump out of that airplane, learn how to fire a gun, uh, learn how to hunt, perhaps. You know, not everybody's drawn to that kind of stuff. Uh, Go to the range and fire a pistol. Go to the range, another kind of range, and fire a bow. Uh, whatever. Camp out if that's your thing. It's not mine, but it might be your thing. Figure out what it is. But what you want to do, the principles are the same. Start as early as you can. Build a sense of them being with you in a club of manhood. When I say a club, that's not because I'm trying to be exclusive. I'm not trying to you know, uh, distance myself from women. I'm trying to serve women well. And so then begin to do the things you do kind of covered and permeated with a sense that I'm doing this because we're I'm a man. You know, I'm facing down, I'm jumping out of an airplane, not just to say I did it and show the video at home, but to face my fear, to face my fear of deep sea diving, um, or not deep sea, but just snorkeling or, or, or scuba diving, to face my fear of jumping off that cliff, uh, to face my fear. Uh, I once went, to, went with a friend of mine who had a deathly fear of snakes. So he went to the zoo and he asked, could I hold a non- poisonous snake. And they said, yeah. And they showed him how to do it. And he said, now, is it possible for me? And I got to tell you, he was he was terrified. He was having a hard time. He was sweating. I thought he was going to wet himself. But I was so proud of him for facing his fear. And then he asked if he could hold a poisonous snake. Is it possible for me to hold a poisonous snake? They said, yeah, we'll have to show you how. But there is, it is possible. And they put a poisonous snake in his hand. He sweat so badly he had to change clothes uh, before we could go through the rest of the day. But I was so proud of him. So what do the young men in your life want to face? What do they want to deal with? What do they want to have to work on? 
And then, of course, there's the whole issue of women and how we behave around women because we're men and how we bond with other men because we're men. you got to teach them about the indirect connection. you got to teach them about the free fire zone. you got to teach them how to build friends. But it's all because we are men and you are part of me and I am part of you and we're building something together. I know there are men listening to this right now who almost want to weep because you did not have it. I know there are men listening to me right now because you've got older sons and you didn't do this, or you've got older grandchildren and you didn't do this. But I got to tell you, it's never too late to start. It's easier when they're young. It's easier when they're yours. It's easier when you got them in the house and you control some of their life. But I'll tell you what, it can be done. And if you don't have children, you don't have grandchildren, and your heart is on fire as I'm talking about these things, get involved with fatherless young men. Get involved in big brothers. Get involved in something, your church, your synagogue, wherever you are, where you can make a difference. Listen, I can't wait to hear what JT and Anthony do with this. They have very different backgrounds from me. They'll have perspective to add. You want to hear the next episode while they do the build. So JT and Anthony, take it away, baby. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen, Anthony, or JT to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. There, you'll also find incredible resources to help you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Wise Company production. 